Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday the 22nd of February. Today I'm joined by Christian Bland, who is a competition winner. Hi there, Christian. How are you doing today? Very good, thank you, Peter. How are you doing? Oh, very good, thank you. Very good. Um, so, which story did you um, pick from today's Watson's Daily, then? I have picked out NVIDIA's, frankly, incredible earnings report. There um, we go. So NVIDIA have just reported an 265% increase in quarterly revenues. That's um, quite good. What they are. It's, it's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not too savvy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that they, they reported 22.1 billion revenues. Um, so this was above what Wall Street was expecting. Um, and it's been driven by the data center mm. unit that NVIDIA have. And this is basically the bit where they use their chips, they use their programs to train generative AI. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's very much an AI story, um, as you'd expect with NVIDIA, this, this incredible increase in revenue. And... It's, it really is just the, the company that, that, that keeps on giving at the moment. Um, it has just been quarter after quarter of exceeding market expectations. And um, in terms of its importance um, to the American to the American stock market, to the asset, to all of those indices like the S&P 500, mm. um, together, with, together with Microsoft and a few others, um, it really is driving, um, dri- driving the value in them. I think it was without the kind of what's known as the Magnificent Seven stocks, the 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 s p 500 as a whole the the, re- the revenues that have actually gone down in the fourth quarter if you discounted those those seven the, the, the magnificent seven stocks so I, I think it's 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 important to think about just how momentous this is not just for nvidia but for the entire american stock market essentially mm. um, it, it's it really is a good news story for them and if this keeps going up, it, th- th- I think there is a hope that it will push up the market. And as more people track the S&P 500, it, it will sort of push up every company. Mm. Um, what are your thoughts on, on these earnings? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredible. Um, I think that, you know, the, the thing is it keeps on smashing um, estimates and forecasts and things. And <clears throat> I suppose that this, it's just going to continue to keep growing. The only, I'd say, the only risk is that um, the day that it falls slightly short um, of mm. forecasts, um, the, you know, the share price is is going to get, you know, going to get killed at least at least in the very short term. Um, but it just seems to me that it's built up such an incredible lead and position in the AI market. Um, that it's going to be very difficult to knock it off its perch. I mean, I think that it's doing the right things um, in that it's investing heavily in trying to stay ahead of the competition, which I think is great uh, and 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 needed. Um, but um, but but yes, I mean, it's when you think it wasn't so you know only a few years ago. Um, if you said to someone, what does NVIDIA do? Either they'd say, never heard of it. Um, or they'd say, oh, yeah, games, you know, graphics chips. But here we are now, and it's right at the cutting edge of the most cutting edge technology there is. Mm. So, I mean, it is it is impressive. 
Um, but I, you know, it, that means that it will have a target on its back, and everyone is going to want to try to. It is going to aspire to um, reach Nvidia's heights and ideally surpass them. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, and I, th- I think that kind of touches on the the pro Nvidia case and also the sort of the anti Nvidia case. Um, yeah. I think looking at the pro case, I mean, it, it is definitely locking down this market. It's a bigger investor mm-hmm. in AI companies than Andres, Andres and Horowitz or, or Sequoia, these massive VC names that are such prolific backers of startups. Mm. Nvidia is there for, and, and it's, it's a great thing for the, for the startup company to, um, to, to, to be a sort of port, port, port for, for Nvidia because these chips are in such high demand. So you mm. want to be, you want to know that you're going to be at the front of the pecking order or, or at the pecking order mm. uh, for, for those, for those chips when it comes to working out who, who's going to get them, especially when other big tech companies are placing incredible orders um especially meta which which has been which i think placed an order for, of seven billion last year mm. um and, and they're continuing to innovate they're bringing out new chips um they're bringing they're bringing out a new chip this year called the called the h200 and they're also working on a chip that they're saying is going to have two times the computing power of that h200 um mm. which, which and there's a question if they can continue to innovate and if that can keep them ahead of their rivals um, such as AMD, who would probably be the main rival, I'd say, for NVIDIA at this point, and potentially Intel as well. Um, and I, then I guess the kind of the, the, the downside case for NVIDIA is um, when it's growing so rapidly, um, as you say, and if it just misses one earnings call, what is going to be the, the, the fallout? Mm. And, and I think this is, there, there is a, there's kind, of a, there's kind of a twofold anti-NVIDIA case. The first is, is it over-reliant on TSMC? Who still make the bulk of or almost all of Nvidia's products, mm-hmm. and then when it comes to the to, to, to just the the current valuation, it's worth more than it, it's 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 projected to be worth more than Alphabet, mm. and that's incredible to consider when you think that Alphabet's profits last last year were greater than Nvidia's revenues. Mm. Is is that susceptibility that Alphabet has to AI with its search engine business, which potentially can be cast out is that enough to justify that kind of that kind of weird almost disparity there mm. well i mean i, I think that the, the, the you know there's certainly um uh an interesting you know interesting parallels there um but but i certainly think that nvidia is going to be at the forefront for a long time yes i mean i think that you know, going back to what I said earlier about the fact that it's got it's it's a, its success means it's it's got a target on its back. Um, everyone's going to want to catch up with it, and um, yeah, I mean, and it is quite rare, I think, that um, uh, tech companies have this kind of advantage for very long, um, yeah. because it you know everyone sees how well they're doing um and so they chuck everything you know they chuck everything into the into it and someone some a company like alphabet for instance has the means to chuck more money at this you know and try to um uh, you know try to reduce reduce the gap and then of course you know there are other companies um like Microsoft, but then yeah, Microsoft could do something, or the other chip companies like Intel. Could, you know, Intel is now trying to muscle into this um, AI market. So, 
there's a lot of possibilities, but I cannot see NVIDIA relinquishing this sort of leading position in the next few years, I don't think. Yeah, and I think I think it should be said on Intel that they also had a bit of good news today um, mm -hmm. for their manufacturing chips from Microsoft, mm -hmm. which is obviously an exciting an exciting thing for them. Um, I, th I think one thing I would say on, on Nvidia is 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 there an antitrust element here? We're, we're thinking about. Mm, you know, I was wondering these, that. Yeah. We have these big seven tech stocks in America. We've got Alphabet, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, um, Nvidia, Tesla, and one other, which. Um, I missed, which I always miss when I try to say them quickly. Um, <laughs> but never mind. Never mind. Right. I wasn't counting, but yeah, go on. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Are they going to want one of those companies um, to, to dominate in this area when, when, it, when it seemed like a place where, where, where we would get new tech champions growing? Mm. Are they going to want NVIDIA to not to, to be owning all these AI startups? They're the lead investor in uh, Mistral, which was a French um french ai startup that basically you managed to raise which managed to start out raising two billion mm. you know the, if it's going to own the, 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 these these sort of more consumer facing ai companies or all these all these ai companies that are going to that they're going to service the businesses as well yeah. as also developing the chips yeah you could just end up with an absolute monster company and i don't know if that's going to be what they want mm. i mean for the moment i think it's okay um it's when it starts, if it decided to, I don't know, buy Intel or something, that's when you'd start getting problems. Um, it's difficult to, there are times when you think that a company is becoming a victim of its own success. And so, you know, NVIDIA has been, you know, doing um, graphics cards for years does ai and let's face it not everyone believed in ai not even that long not that long ago and they've suddenly been thrust in front of everyone else because of their involvement in ai the valuation has has skyrocketed and it's now not only gaining revenues actual revenues not oh we're going to do this next year and we project you know they're getting it now um you know they they can then use the say their stock their valuation or borrow against it or whatever to get bigger by buying these these startups hmm. i i don't know if i don't know how you can really as long as it's buying startups i don't know how you can really you know like the sec could really get involved hmm. really i mean because i would have thought that it would be if, if, like I say, Nvidia said, "Right, well, let's buy Intel." Then, then you might have a problem. But until then, I don't know. And it, and yeah, but anyway, what do you think? Um, yeah, um, just to say, firstly, um, the one I missed was Meta. So if anyone's yeah, yeah. screaming at me for which one I missed, it was. Oh, don't uh, worry. No, no one's heard. <laughs> no one's heard of that company. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's. I, I think there is an angle here, and I think when you, we've looked at the regulators. They've been talking about killer acquisitions mm. where you buy these startups and, 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 and these tech companies have been able to use it to do that to mm. maintain their dominant position, which is, which is, is the school of thought. Mm. I, I think this falls really strongly into that. We're looking at the fact that we've already got the relationship between Microsoft and OpenAI being yeah. probed. Yeah. 
why wouldn't and I, I I struggle to see why Nvidia's relationship, even if they are only being an investor in these companies, mm. if they're getting preferential treatment, and and Nvidia deny that they do, by the way, but if they were to be receiving preferential um, treatment in terms of getting access to these AI chips, that is potentially a, an anti-competitive issue that, that that the regulators will consider, uh, mm. and I'm sure they'll be very very proactive in looking at that because this is going to have to be a priority for them. Mm. Yes, indeed. So there we go. I guess we, uh, yeah, I mean, NVIDIA is just going to continue to grow and grow, I think. Um, but anyway, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, let's go on to the next, uh, let's go on to the next topic. Um, so today um, I thought I would talk about, as we've gone from cutting edge technology to the opposite, um, uh, big warehouses, right? So, um I just think uh, so. The, there was a story in in the uh, in the Lex column of t- today's um, Financial Times, and this was talking about um, deal flow uh, and so the notable increase in deal flow in warehousing. Now, warehousing traditionally has not been the sexiest part of um, commercial property, right? Um, but it was really interesting in um, sort of was it 2020 and going on, you know, going on from there, that actually the UK's um, biggest warehousing company called Segro, um, it went into the, it was there was a symbolic moment where it was in the FTSE 100 and other companies. I forgot whether it was um, British Land or Land Securities or both that dropped out because they were more exposed to um, malls and offices, which, of course, did not do well under lockdown, um, and warehousing, which did do well under lockdown, because um, not only were, was there um, demand from the Brexit side of things when everyone was panicking that we wouldn't you know, get anything from the continent, for instance, so, so they decided to get more and stick it in a warehouse. So there was that. There was that thing. But then when lockdown happened, there was more um, more people were buying more stuff online, which it entails more. You have to have more warehousing space. Um, and then after that, there was the the, um, you know, the, the, there were a lot of problems with supply chains. And that got worse when when, of course, Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, so that was very that became very difficult. Um, and so as a result of the disruption in supply change, you then needed um, you then needed more warehousing space. However, over the last year um, or so, the, the um, warehousing plays have not done very well. Um, a lot of it is to do with the, you know, the, the, the valuations of commercial property um, in a lot of areas has actually come down quite considerably. Now, what I would say is, is that we've seen recently um, some some deals. So this particular um, article mentions urban logistics REIT and buying Aberdeen Property Income Trust. And then another one, London Metric making an all share offer for LXI REIT. And then we've um, just had Tritax Big Box um, agreeing to buy UKCM. Now, it seems to me that this would imply that we are perhaps at 
at the bottom. So the cycle is now start, starting to turn up because you, I think generally speaking, you tend to get more M&A activity going on at the bottom. So just as things are turning up and then, and you get a, a, another peak when it's just before the peak, if you see what I mean. So um, it just, <coughs> sorry, it just seems to me there's been quite a lot recently. And we actually, we saw some stuff at the end of last year where it was, um, you know, West End landlords got together. Um, so it just seems maybe there's, there's, there's this willingness to do deals now. The other interesting thing is that um, private equity firms are have assets they're looking to offload them and this could be a nice time for them to offload uh, as it seems to be that there's um, a sort of receptive you know there's some potentially receptive parties in the market now um, but anyway what, what do you think yeah well, one of the things I think is when you were saying that it's not the sexy part of commercial real estate I'm wondering what the sexy part actually is um, yeah i mean it's, it's all it's all relative right i mean <laughs> yeah yeah. Yeah, so, yeah um but i i think what i think is that i would see consolidation in warehousing as potentially being quite a good thing because mm. if you think about warehousing at the moment um I, I think there's a question as to whether or not we need more investment in it are mm. we going to need to have more warehouses built closer to consumers as e- e-commerce continues to expand are we going to need to have more investment in warehousing technologies um mm. i mean an example of a company that does that is is Acado, which is a important provider for warehouse technologies for mm-hmm. new companies um so, so I, and, and that requires huge investment and i think when you look at when you're thinking about uh, whether it's a private equity buyer or or quite a small um re- real estate owner are they going to be willing to stump up that money mm. or is a bigger company that is is combined going to be more able to provide to provide that investment um, and they're managing the asset so I, I, I think it's potentially quite a good thing that, that we've got um, that, we've, that we've got a bit of consolidation just just because I, I, I think I, I think the investment might be required what, what, what would your thoughts be on that mm. yeah I think it, it, it is required um, you know the these kinds of especially something like um, warehousing is can do better with with scale because then you can you know your cost of capital comes down but also you're able to provide a a more a bigger range of choices for your um for your customers as well because they might not all want massive warehouses they might want smaller warehouses that are in sort of closer in you know they they might not want a a massive warehouse next to the m4 um but they they might rather have or in addition they would like to have something that is that is say let's say closer into london so that it's closer to the you know to to the final client um but yes i mean i i think that it's that and actually just as i was saying i just thought something else as well is that um you know this is this is obviously this is this is uh warehousing and things like this but if you take a step back from that as well it does seem to me that there are just more deals happening at the moment i mean maybe it's just i'm reading it that way you know we've got this you know there's this going on here we've got we've had a lot of deals recently in the oil industry lots of consolidation there as well 
Um, so I wonder whether, you know, we are starting to see now more M&A come, come alive. There's going to be more activity and more activity begets more activity. And so we're going to start seeing this whole, you know, the wheels are going to start turning again. And, you know, all the, <clears throat> all the investment bankers, lawyers, et cetera, and everyone in, in the whole food chain, they're going to start seeing more maybe. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I know this, obviously we're talking about this as a, a something of warehousing and, and commercial property, but I also wonder whether this signals, you know, better things on a broader basis, especially when you think, you know, in, uh, inflation rates are expected to come down and that will make the cost of debt um, lower. And then that means that more more companies would think of taking on debt and investing, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, business confidence going up, consumer confidence going up. So, you know, maybe this really is the, the start of a, a new cycle, potentially. Mm. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I, I think I think I think it's a good point, and I, I think it's right. And I think if you look at even if you look at within real estate, you could cite BlackRock and Global Infrastructure Partners being mm. a deal in that space that shows that there is a demand for M and mm. I think if we look at the oil industry, I, th- I think I, I doubt we'll see as much M and A as we saw in the oil industry. I think the oil industry M and A was a, was a combination of a few things. Mm. Firstly, the fact that there have been while, while, other, while other sectors might have been struggling, um, I, I think it's safe to say that the oil industry was, was probably not one of them. <laughs> and, 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 and they're doing, they're going great guns, especially. Mm. Um, and, and I think it's, it's beneficial for them in, the, in, in that sort of space to buy up companies because it saves them having to do these massive exploration projects, which the shareholders are never going to like. Mm. Instead, buying up a company in the Permian Basin, um, like... Uh, Exxon did, or doing what Chevron did and buying a company with a big stake in Guyana and the mm. new discoveries out there. That that's I, th- I think it's quite quite a logical thing for them to have done with with, with the cash that they had on their balance sheet. Mm. But no, I, I think you're right. I think I think we will see a a, a resurgence in M and A this year. I think I think that the environment is going to become more generous for it. We know the Bank of England, even in the UK, we know the Bank of England aren't going to rate rate for inflation to hit two percent before they start cutting. Yeah, and I do think that when those go down, with with all the dry powder that's been built up in private equity, with all the companies who have been who have been struggling through, um, and have been waiting for the the market to pick up a bit so that they can that that, that, that they can sell, I th- I think I think we're reaching we're we're starting to reach that point. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it will be. Um... You know, Goldman Sachs, you know, Goldman Sachs um, party time coming soon, <laughs> um, investment banking. Um, but um, but anyway, yes, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, um, we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, and um, I'd just like to say, you know, thank you very much, Christian. It's been real pleasure this week um, having you on here. Um, so thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this week. No problem. No problem really at all. No problem. And uh, thank you very much for listeners, as always, um, for listening and and justifying our existence here um, in podcast land. Um, so thank you very much indeed. And um, by the way, if you do like this podcast, please can you leave a really nice review and say something as well, because that really does help. And haven't had any 
haven't had any reviews for quite a while. So if you could do that and and um, and you like this and this helps you, please, please let us know. Thank you very much indeed. Have a great day, whatever you're doing. And um, the pod, we will be back uh, very soon. So many thanks. Bye.